Rockwell earlier in the week, I was talking to one of you, and um, just to be transparent, I was, I was talking to one of you, and I was saying, you know, um, this is a really full week. This is a really busy week with great things. A lot of you have been a part of the great things that took place in the life of our church this week, and I said, frankly, between that and then a, a, like a 24-hour trip I have to Texas to honor the senior pastor I served under and him... Um, finishing his ministry at that church. I just don't know how I'm going to prepare for Sunday. And he looked at me and said, well, have you thought about sharing your testimony? And I thought, well, no. no. I mean, yeah. Like, I want to do that sometime. Uh, but I don't, you know, I want to, I really want to get as deep as we can in the, in the scriptures. And, and he goes, why don't you think about doing your testimony? He said, okay, I'll, I'll think about it. And then I went from that, and I, I went to get my hair cut. And I, as I was sitting down, this doesn't happen to me that often, but I was sitting down in this woman was about to start cutting my hair, and um, I had this sense that I should pray for her and, and, and maybe ask, for an ask the Lord for an opportunity to talk to her about the Lord. So I started doing that, and um, we're talking and, and saying, you know, hello, how are you doing? And, and then um, she asked, well, what, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor, and there was this phone for the place ringing really loud, and she said, oh, my goodness, I want to go answer that phone, and when I come back, I want to hear what was it that led you to want to become a pastor, I was like, okay. Um, and so she answered the phone. She came back. She cut my hair. Uh, and we started to talk about my background and the Lord and my life. And, and I want to um, be fully transparent. Nothing dramatic happened. This story does not end up with us together on our knees in great clips or somewhere, or, you know, with her receiving the Lord. Um, but we had a meaningful conversation. And it was at that point where I went, okay, Lord, maybe I will take a couple minutes this week and share a little bit more about my own life and the things that you've done in my life. So what I want to do is I want to pray, and then I want to take the next couple minutes this morning and, and share with you a little bit about um, how the Lord has worked in me and how he's rescued me. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time. You are the King of Kings. We pray that you would please come now and by the power of your spirit, and even as we consider a number of different verses, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us as I bear witness to all that you are for me. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what I want to do now is I want to I tell, I want to use the, I want to give what, what's often called a testimony. If you're not a Christian or if you're newer to Christian circles, that's often language that can be used when someone's talking about their own journey of faith or maybe specifically the experience that they might have had in becoming a Christian. And one of the things you may well know is that, that that looks different for every person. You know, sometimes people will prepare to, um, they'll be sh sharing with me, they're preparing to give their testimony somewhere, and they'll, be, and they'll say, you know, I'm just embarrassed. Like, um, I don't think my story's, it's not that dramatic. I, I wasn't, um, you know, my life didn't look crazy on that outside, and, and then there's this change. And, and we always want to remind them, no, if the Lord has brought you unto himself, you have a story. And it looks different for all of us. And so, for example, as I start to share my story, my story is, is one of, of, of growing up in a, a home um, that would have identified as a Christian home. And, and, and so let me uh, start there. And as I go through my story, both, both really in my conversion and maybe what the Lord's taught me in the last several years, just want to um, share, I'll... I'll I'll be sharing kind of a, a point or a lesson that I feel like the Lord showed me 
And then I'm going to take a couple of moments and, and tell about um, that brief time in my life and, and how that was taught me. So let me, let me start with this, this point and, and kind of summary. It is possible to identify as a Christian and, and to be raised in a Christian home, to be raised in a church-going home, and according to the Scriptures, not actually be a disciple of Jesus, to not, to not actually be a Christian. And I'm taking that from Matthew 7. This is Matthew 7, 22 through 23. Jesus says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's a very crazy thing to imagine. There will be people that perceived themselves to be Christians standing before God and him saying, depart from me. You never actually knew me. And that was probably, I think, my story. I was raised in Virginia. So so many of you know I grew up in a city called Virginia Beach. Um, I have amazing parents, one sister. Many of you have, have um, at least met my parents. Incredibly loving. My, my um, parents had met in medical school. My dad was a doctor. My mom was preparing to be a, a, a lab technician. And they, they got married. They started raising a family. Uh, my mom came from a Baptist background. My dad was raised in the Episcopal Church. And, and my mom looked at my dad, as happens in many marriages, and says, um, we have children now, and now we have to make sure we're getting them to church. And so we started going um, to an Episcopal church in Virginia Beach where I was growing up. And I would have, at that point, said, we were a Christian family as far as I was concerned. So we were, we were coming every week. Um, we were uh, saying the, the creeds every week. We were um, coming to the table. We were, con- we were confessing our sins. And, and I was what's called an acolyte. So I was helping with worship. Um, I was an EYC, for those of you who can remember what that stands for. That was the youth group in the Episcopal Church. So I, I, I was about as involved as you could be. I was, I was baptized um, before I can remember. And at the same time, looking back, I did not have a relationship with God. I was raised by parents who were mindful of God, who, who were very mindful of wanting to raise a young man, myself, and a young woman, my sister, who loved other people and who treated other people right and, and always did the right thing. I was raised in kind of a say yes, ma'am, yes, sir, hold the door for people, family, and work hard. And so um, I thought that, and I thought about God a lot as a boy, actually, but I thought I had God, in a sense, in my back pocket. And what I mean by that was I thought surely if there was such a thing as heaven, which I believe there was, um, I'm in because I'm doing my best. I'm trying really hard. And it wasn't until when I was um, uh, a young teenager and I went off to a camp with an organization some of you all have heard of called Young Life. And I heard someone present what we would call the gospel and, and describe the fact that we, God is real and he is perfect and he is holy and that none of us is that perfect. And none of us loves him the way that we should. None of us love other people the way that we should. And because of that, there was a problem that kept us apart. This, this problem that is what the Bible just simply calls sin. I really didn't like hearing that. And I remember looking at um, my leader in my cabin and, and thinking, you know, you guys are talking about doing bad things. 
I can point out to you all my friends that are doing bad things, like the other kids, but that's not me. Like, I'm a really good kid, and I get good grades, and like, I hear other parents even say nice things about me. That's how arrogant I was as a little kid. And, and because of that, I thought, yeah, sure, God, God accepts me. I'm in. And I had a leader say, that's not exactly how it works. And we heard from the scriptures again. He asked me that year, do you, do you want to pray to start to follow Jesus? And that year I said, you know what? No. No. Because I knew that was a big deal. And I wasn't ready. At least I didn't think I was ready. But I came back the following summer. And something that summer resonated with me as they continued to share the same things. And one night in Rockbridge, Virginia, in the foothills of the Shenandoah, essentially, I, I took time along with a lot of other young people that were there at that camp. We were encouraged to go out and, and take what's called 20 minutes. Just 20 minutes to be alone with God. And I, I laid out in the middle of a field looking out at the stars over Rockbridge. And I said, God, I know you are real. Um, I know if you're God, you are way smarter than I am. And I pray, will you run my life? I just, I want you to be in charge of my life. Now, this is really important. The heavens at that point did not open up. Okay, and I did not see the spirit descend on me like a dove. I, I, I didn't um, have a vision I didn't experience anything physically. Um, it, was a, it was a very uh, steady, normal moment in my life. But here's what I will say. Things started to change in my life. Now I want to pause and again say, it was at that point that I realized, Lord, I have thought I've known you. I have not known you yet. And, and, and the reality is at that moment... It was completely his right to show judgment over me because I was, I was not the person that he had called me to be. And yet, as I learned who he was and I put my faith in him, I had great faith and, and great peace that now I was right before him. And so, so that's the first point. I'm going to continue now as we continue chronologically for the next couple of moments. Um, number one, you, you can think of yourself as a Christian, and it might be possible biblically that you're, you're not actually one. Number two, God can, and usually does, if you're seeking them, provide friends that will change your life. God can provide men and women, or boys and girls, depending on your age, that will come alongside you and change your life. And just very briefly, this is Proverbs 18, 24. Many of you know it. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. As I continued after that summer of eighth grade, I transferred to a new high school, and I, I met uh, one young man named Mead at that new school, and we became good friends, and it was through him I met other close friends. And these were all young men that did happen to know the Lord, and these guys became my best friends. They got me involved with a church of particularly some, some younger adult leaders a lot of people that were in their 20s and 30s who were pouring into teenagers. And through my time with them, not only did my faith grow, but it just exploded. And, and these became young guys where, you know, when you're in high school or, or at any age in life, you never grow out of this. Everybody wants to be accepted. Every, everybody wants to um, 
be a part of a community, and I desperately needed that. And before I knew these guys, I, I, I would almost do anything just to be noticed and, and to be accepted. But now I had guys that the Lord had put in my life that I could talk about with God with. I could um, seek to learn from them. I could read the Bible with them. God changed my life through friends. This is number three. Uh, Christianity is rational and not afraid of questions or inquisition. might sound like a, a weird next step. Let me say it again. Christianity is rational, is not afraid of questions or inquisition. I leave high school. I get off to college. I'm at the University of Virginia. I'm a religious studies major. And, and um, studying under professors, particularly focusing on Christianity, but a minor in Islam, and, and studying professors that are coming from all over the map in terms of what they really believe about the nature of God and, and the nature of the Bible. And it was, it was a, a trying time. Because I started to, to hear claims that were different than, the, than those I grew up with about the trustworthiness of the Bible or the historicity, we might say, of, of the resurrection of Jesus. All kinds of different things. But at the same time, by God's grace, he put me in a community of people at the University of Virginia. One of them being Frank's brother, Thomas, who were best friends with whom I could talk about the harder questions. And... and and thanks to that robust community uh, and, and a robust intellectual community and other ministries that were going on, I came to the place where I, where I felt, you know, to, to claim to be a Christian, I'm not having to cross my fingers behind my back intellectually. I truly believe what the scriptures teach and what, what Christians have been passing down for centuries. And my verse related to that is from Acts 26, verses uh, 24 through 25. Paul's before Festus. And he's testifying to who Jesus is. And it says, as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, are you out of your mind? Some of you have had non-Christian friends look at you and think, you are crazy. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're not Christian. You think Christians are crazy. I don't know. He said, Paul, are you out of your mind? Your great learning's driving you out of your mind. And it says, but Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. But what I am speaking is true and rational words. Yes, Christianity makes claims that are supernatural. But at the same time, these are claims that are open to investigation, to, to, to verification. And, and so a huge part of my story was coming through a season where I was exposed to this robust intellectual tradition uh, within the Christian faith that served as a great foundation in my life for the years to come. That was, that was added to during my time working with college students in Oxford, England, in a very robust community there. But it started during that time. Number four. Sometimes God leads, leads us in directions we don't want to go. So in other words, there are times when we're supposed to do something. We have a sense from God that we're supposed to do something, and we really don't want to do it. Okay, so I'm going to Read from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I'll explain why I'm reading from that in a moment. But this is Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Many of you know this. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. There are moments when God's leading us to do certain things. And we have to trust him in ways we really don't want to trust him. 
I'll give you just one um, important example from, from uh, my story was I was in college and towards the end of college, in my, my first year out of college, I was dating a young woman that I cared really deeply about. Um, she was a great person and, and we had a great uh, group of friends and um, I just had a, a great affections for her and I remember at the same time, I would have times in prayer and times at church. I mean, some of you were here yesterday when John Yates was preaching. Um, I was at Falls Church one time, and I was, I was in worship. I had my hands up, and, and I just, it's a weird thing when you're praying, and then you think, oh, I'm supposed to break up with someone. Like, that wasn't something that was on my agenda that day. But, but I started having experiences like that, and, and it wasn't a matter of not caring for this person or there being anything wrong with this person. Again, she was an amazing person, but there was an unsettledness. This guy came up to me, saw me in tears, was like, hey, dude, I don't know you, but you're, are you okay? Like, is there anything I can do for you? And I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I knew that relationship was not the relationship I think God had intended for either one of us and, and for life. And, and so um, even, even though I very much did not want that relationship to come to an end, we, we talked about it and, and brought it to an end. And, and, and I was, at that time, so bummed and you know, down in the dumps. And yet, of course God had something better for me. And then as, as, as John attested to yesterday, yes, both CJ and I are well married. We married up, and, and God brought Lauren into my life um, several years later. So sometimes God leads us in directions we don't want to go. Uh, I now finished college. I go off to seminary. I'm, I'm wanting, I know I'm wanting to prepare God to serve God in my vocation. And that brings me to this next experience that I had and, and lesson I learned, which was the Holy Spirit is alive and is active in ways that are invisible and other ways that are visible. I want to share about what I mean by that. So I was in seminary. Um, at that point, I was just really burned out. I, I was, yes, enjoying my studies, but it was as the, as the interns, as CJ, as others can attest, it was a lot of work, and I was in this prayer chapel at our school praying, God, please, please just refresh me. And, and I spent an extended period of time doing that. The next day, I decided to stop by that chapel again, which was highly unusual for me on that day. And as I went in there, there was a group, pardon me, there was a group of the Korean students praying. Gordon Conwell has a large contingency of Korean students. And if you've ever prayed, often with um, many people from Korea pray in just ways that are so powerful and deep. And, and there was a woman visiting that was praying for people. And I, I want to say she had a spiritual gift. Okay, and, and I was, I got in there. They were so excited to see me. They put this, not, this person that isn't normally there, they threw me to the front of the line of other people that were waiting to have her pray with her. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And, and let me read the verse first. Um, this is coming from 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. I read this, many of you might remember last week. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation for the, of the Spirit for the common good. This woman, I believe, had been given a gift because I'm thrown in the front of the line. I can see she's prayer, praying with people. I'm a little nervous because I don't know what this is going to look like. 
and I go around this, this corner where there's this like divider that's just giving people privacy, and I'm I'm there, and um, she says, what, "What can I pray for you?" I said, "I just I just needed some encouragement, and and this, uh, you know I'm I'm struggling to know the direction." And, um, so she just starts praying for me. But here's the important part. And, and I recognize if you weren't there, you can't appreciate this in the same way. But she starts talking um, about me as she's praying. And she's just talking to me. It's very informal, very casual. But she starts to talk about me and she says, Brian. And then she starts to describe my personality and my background to a T. Like, I've wondered if someone slipped her a, a Benjamin Franklin while I wasn't looking. And said, like, hey, here's who he is. And say these things. And he's going to know, you know, that, that God was really speaking. She, she described me to a T. Never met her in my life. And she said, this is who you are, Brian. And here's some things the Lord's going to do in your life. I also remember she said, do you want to get married? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I said, I she said, it, it's not a bad thing to want a godly wife. And I was like, yeah, pray for that, please. And we prayed for that. Again, he worked. Praise be to God. And that moment, not all of us have had moments like that, but that moment reminded me, God is at work in ways that are so supernatural. And, and I believe she, again, had been given a, a, a specific gift. Why? For, as it says in the scriptures, for the edification of the body, for the encouragement of God's people. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. I'm going to keep moving to start to wrap up. Number six, God allowed trials in order to develop steadfastness. Many of you know where I'm going with this. James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I had two amazing years after seminary serving at a church in England and working with students at the University of Oxford and getting to be involved in an evangelistic ministry on behalf of that church and Bible study and other things. And it was amazing. After that, I moved back to the U.S. and I was serving at a church plant in the Washington, D.C. area, which was on one hand a very special church. And at the same time, it was very clear that things were not working out. The church wasn't growing. The role didn't feel right, and, and finally, after prayer and the counsel of a number of different friends, I, I came back to the church, and, I, and of course, to the senior pastor, I said, you know, I just don't believe this is where God's calling me right now, and they blessed me, and I stepped away from that church, and I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where I was going. I was unemployed. Thankfully, a family with that church, um, actually from which our son takes his middle name, they welcomed me into their home, and I was living there. And, and at that point, frankly, I was looking for opportunities to serve as an Anglican priest. Um, I couldn't find anything. And after about three months, I came to the conclusion, God, I guess you just don't want me to be a pastor. Because it just doesn't seem like I can find something. And yet at the same time, what God was doing was drawing me further into a relationship with himself, leading me to trust in him. I was going through a difficult season that I would lean into him more and see more of him. And sure enough, in a couple months, not only was I engaged now, but now he was calling me to a church where I've served him before St. Peter's for the last three years. Number eight, the Lord hears when we call to him. 
The Lord hears when we call to him. This is Psalm 4, 3 that I've been trying to memorize recently. But know that the Lord God has set up, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Lauren and I were serving, uh, living in, in Texas at this great church in north of Houston in the suburbs, and we were really enjoying it, and at the same time wondering, um, would this be a place that God was calling us for the, at least the foreseeable future, really the rest of our lives, because I had come with the understanding that after a couple years, I and the senior pastor would begin to discern together whether or not I might succeed him. Yet Lauren and I were having this feeling as he was going into his sabbatical, as I've shared this before, that we weren't sure it was there. And so I came to him before a sabbatical and said, you know, we just don't know if, if this is it. Here's how we're praying. And he said, well, thank you. This is exactly what you should be praying. I'm for you. And so he starts praying to us. We're praying. Lauren's um, pregnant. We, we don't know what we're going to do. But the, the baby comes, uh, my, my senior pastor's on sabbatical, I'm serving in the interim as the lead pastor, and at the, all, the, all we know at this point is that we don't feel called, we come to the conclusion we don't think it's there. We don't think I'm called to be the senior pastor there, but we don't know where. But we knew that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself, and he hears when we call to him. And sure enough, as many of you know, just about a week or two after, I get an email from Randy Dixon. Brian, haven't seen you in 15 years, uh, but P.S., we've ended up at this church, this amazing church in Birmingham, and want to know, would you consider, would you want to consider possibly learning more about this, this position where we're, we're asking people to apply, and then the rest is history. The Lord hears when we call to him. I've got just two more. Uh, this is um, a, a meaningful one to me. In following Jesus, God provides relationships we would never imagine. I know I've already touched on friendship, but I wanted to add this too. Um, there's a moment where Jesus says, you might remember to some people, he says, truly I say to you, there is no one, he's talking about the experience of, and cost of discipleship, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, this is really important, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. In other words, if you will follow me, God is going to bless you in, in these ways that you would have never imagined. I want to say, um, God has blessed me, and he has blessed, um, I know Lauren, and in our marriage together, with relationships, particularly through this role that we would have never expected. I, I was in Texas for 24 hours again this week um, and was with all these members of my last church family. And, and they are like parents to me, like grandparents um, we miss them dearly. And, and there are things that we've learned about God that honestly we couldn't have learned without them. Similarly, there are things here that I can't learn about God without you. We need one another. And one of the great things is that anyone who is a part of a church family 
one of the things that God does in our church family is honor this promise from Jesus. Nobody's alone. We have a family. We have new mothers, new sisters and brothers, children, even if we don't have biological children. When we follow Jesus, God provides us relationships we could have never imagined. And here's the last one I'll wrap up. There is more, y'all hear me talk about this a lot, but there is more joy I learned to experience in God than in anything else. There's more joy to be experienced in God than anything else. Psalm 1611, in your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy. At your right hands, there are pleasure evermore. And what I, I remember growing up, being really little and thinking, actually, let me, let me preface that. I was listening to an interview this week. There's a, there's a podcast, some of you may have heard, for entrepreneurs. I'm not an entrepreneur, but I like to learn. And it, it was an interview with a woman named, Marsh, I think, Marsha Kilgore. She built this huge company. And in that podcast, the person interviewer said, you know, why did you do what, she, what you do? And she said, to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Don't we all resonate with that? I don't think she's a Christian, but she's saying what we all feel. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody's looking for joy. We might not use that word, but we're all looking for fulfillment. And when I was really little, I was growing up in a community where there were some people that were really successful. And I remember thinking, I got to be either famous, powerful, or I got to make a lot of money if I'm going to be happy. At the same time, interestingly, I got to high school and there was some, some socioeconomic diversity, but there were also some people who were doing really well. And I remember thinking, they don't all seem happier. Only God has, only God is, is big enough and great enough to bear the weight of our deepest longings. Only he can do that. And, and what, what happened over the course of my life was being freed in many ways, from, from a self-centered ambition and from, from pointless pursuits of happiness and other things that I might be able to draw from the only well that never runs dry and the only one that ever satisfies. And so what I want to finish here is, one, have you ever told your story? Have you ever had a chance to tell your story? If you're a Christian, have you ever had a chance? Many of you know First Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that you have. If you had two minutes, do you know what you would say if someone asked? If you had an hour, do you know what would ask? Have you had the chance to share that? I want to encourage us. Can we increasingly become a community where we're sharing our stories with one another? Maybe that be in a more um, organized way like we're doing right now at our men's fireside gathering once a month. Maybe it's just to a friend that you've never gotten to talk to before. We're uh, finished with this. We're, we're, we're welcoming new members in just a couple of moments today during announcements. And, and what's amazing is the way that God has already been at work in the lives of the people that are coming alongside us. And then if you think about it, the way he's been at work in our community here. And now what God is doing is he's continuing to weave our stories together to write this greater stories of us as a church family. And all I want to ask is in the coming year, will we, will we look with anticipation as how God is wanting to write the story? 
And would we, would we pray that he would write it in such a way that he would be glorified and that we would get to enjoy more of him. That's all I got. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done in my own life. We thank you for what you've done in the lives of so many people here. Lord, miracles, miraculous healing physically, miraculous healing emotionally, financial provision. Lord, would you work in such a way this year that we would be able to look back and say, how great is our God, and only he can satisfy. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.